And hello, America. Welcome to another edition of Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism, only on America's WebRadio.com. Coming after a uh, holiday weekend, um, Columbus Day, which I guess uh, could also be called um, White Privilege Day, if you've watched any of her, the rancor that's come about on this uh this holiday, David. I don't know uh, what you think about it. The only thing I will give credit for all the the uh, the rancor on social media is it actually made some people open up a little bit of a history book to discover why Columbus Day is now so vilified as a holiday. I believe this is the eighty fourth or was the eighty fourth incarnation of it, and um, it's literally White Guilt Day now. Apparently, yeah. Well, uh, did you were you reading any of that uh, uh, any of the malarkey on there? Uh, a friend of mine asked if I'd heard about. What Seattle was going to do, changing the name of it. And, you know, what a crock. And I tell you, I, I, I'm. let me ask you, when you were in school and you're 40 years younger than me, well, not quite 40. 27, I think. Uh, anyway. I'm only uh, 4D right now, sir. Oh, so. uh, but do you remember in school, maybe they didn't teach it. When I was in school, they taught us this. Uh, in 1492... Uh, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Exactly. I and and you know. Apparently, I learned that too. I yeah, I, I don't know exactly. that something must have changed after my uh, my grade did, school did years. Did you see Waters World yesterday by chance? No, no I was he busy was, driving. He was asking people in <laughs> their, I would guess between twenties and thirty five. Okay. Uh, the millennials. Let's yeah. call let's call them what they are. The millennials. Who who was who was Columbus? Uh, Who was Christopher Columbus? Uh, 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 and uh, when when did he come over to the states? Uh, eighteen uh, late eighteen hundreds, <laughs> I think. And well, why why did he venture over from Spain? Uh, I, you know, I, he just wanted to take a boat trip, I guess. You know, I mean, these kids. Or adults, young adults, are embarrassing. I blame Common Core first of all. I mean, you know, I don't God, know what to blame? Do, I, it's I mean, embarrassing. Well, it, it is embarrassing. But Columbus Day, can we not celebrate the 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 spirit of adventurism? Whether or not there were atrocities committed by the white European settlers afterwards, can we not celebrate the fact that they got out of their continent and were trying to engage in commerce and, and increase capitalism? Is capitalism now a bad word, David? Well, it, yeah, it's it seeking is seeking to not. improve your lot in life when you're living in frigid Northern Europe, and, and well, Columbus was. Italian, actually, but uh, you know they wanted a faster trade route to the uh, to India, and yeah. I mean he Columbus made a mistake. He was in the West Indies, and I, he actually never set foot on the continental United States. So kind of hard to blame him for uh, the deaths of Indians in Virginia. Or, or 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 am I wrong? Is this more of my white privilege speaking, David? I I don't know. No, you know it's just <clears throat> the whole thing is just beyond. Uh, beyond the pale, as far as I'm concerned, I I can't stand it. I, as old as I am, I can't change. I'm not going to change, and I pity the poor person that try that would even try to to make me PC at this point. And it's not PC. This is just stupidity. And um, mm-hmm. you know they're they're they've done a 
they and I, I don't I can't I can't point a finger at who they are. Well, they they, they are the people that engage but, in this 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 overt political correct world, which says anything achieved by anybody white well, must be further, apologized for. It goes for. back further than that. Okay. Uh, they started somebody, whoever it was, the communist. Maybe it's a communist. I don't know. <laughs> but they have done a hell of you laugh, but uh, they, that's what that's exactly what they were saying they were going to do in the late fifties and sixties. They weren't going to shoot at us. They weren't going to start a nuclear war. They were going to dumb us down internally. And they, and I put that in parentheses, have done a hell of a job of dumbing our society down. We're about as stupid as you can get right now. And the millenniums, if that's what they are, and unfortunately I think it may be the kids following them, this is sad. You know, they, yeah. they, don't, they can't identify a well, picture I, I of, think the, of the first president. Isn't it revisionist history, too, where you change kind of the, the, the memories, you change texts in, in uh, history books, you, you start focusing on only the negatives? Again, the, uh, the Italian-Americans celebrate Columbus Day because he, he was Italian. And I, I just, I mean, Pizarro, I mean, uh, there's a, lit, uh, a whole litany of explorers that, that brought... A lot of people over here to South America, Central America, and North America, and they ex- they weren't exactly flying in, in in first class accommodations. They were on. Can they you were on imagine boats. getting in one of those boats? That I mean, you know, can you say scurvy? Uh, yeah, and, and rickets and all the rest. Yeah, I mean, just and starving and cold, and it sucks uh, like to be on a boat for like you know six months. You no, know, look, look, you can compare, and we did. As a matter of fact, we did <clears throat> compare it to. Uh, going to the moon and the spacewalks and all the rest of the stuff, the guts that those guys had to get on one of those little bitty boats, uh, the Mayflower. Yeah, and the, and then they did it to they did it to increase commerce and capitalism and expand wealth. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, can we not look at that aspect of it as well? Evidently, they not. want to call it National Indigenous Peoples Day. This is what I'm reading now. I, I normally I post something kind of humorous on Columbus Day. This year I abstain, but normally I post something to the effect of today we celebrate the day that Columbus discovered that the Indians discovered America. Kind of being a smartass, but it, it you know now that the the even mention of Columbus Day is 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 so um, I guess ingratiating. To any kind of leftist mindset, because it showed uh, what the it helped create American exceptionalism. If you think about it, and this is 1492. Again, folks, we don't have all the modern day conveniences in 1492 that they have now. You, the, uh, the, you the, made the, a statement a minute ago that I, I would certainly like for you to give me a definition of this. Um, okay, because I, I'm too dumb to understand it. Um, how can one rewrite history? I'm so stupid. I thought that if something happened in the past, that would be quote unquote history, and you wrote down what happened in the past. Mm-hmm. How do you rewrite Revi- revisionist uh, history, revising history? So when you grow up, when I grew up, Columbus Day, as I've mentioned already on the show, celebrated the spirit of exploration, the spirit of increasing wealth. 
And the textbooks revealed that. In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Now they want to say how, how many horrible things he did, and he actually never stepped foot on the continent of the United States, but apparently um, the settlers wiped out uh, many of the natives in the Bahamas, and that was through diseases, not necessarily through warfare. But that's what they want to focus on now, is all the death and destruction brought on by the white man when they came over here seeking to better themselves. They just wanted a better life. Where have we heard that before? Yeah. They, they traveled for a better life. And, and let me remind people, this is well before all of the beautiful big government programs that we have now. They had no idea what they were going to encounter. In fact, again, Columbus, if you, one thing you want to make fun of him for is he thought he was in India. Let, let's, let's joke about that. I mean, that's, that's kind of funny. Oops. That they're misnamed. Yeah, that's a Rick Perry. Oops. But, you know, let, let's talk about that. Not the fact that, and this is part of, you know, Obama's anti-colonialism. It, it's, he has never respected what they call the imperialist dogs. But, you know, if, what, 50 years ago, basically all the uh, Europeans left Africa, and uh, how's that working out for you? <laughs> <laughs> Just a little question here. But I, again, I don't think we, we, I don't think we need to be apologizing for Christopher Columbus in 1492, yet that's what the left wants to talk about. And when I, they engage in revisionist history, then they're focusing on all the evils, and they want to, you know, put Columbus, and they want to add about 300 years to his, uh, his life and say, oh, yes, he was engaged in slavery, too. That, that's revisionist history, Dave. Well, you know, it's, it's sort of like I, when we go into uh, and uh, giving back the, uh, giving what, uh, restoration or whatever they want to call it. You know? Yeah, reparations. Rep- reparation, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, reparation, well, then I want my, uh, I want my plantation in Tennessee back, please. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think what's I, good for the goose is good for the gander. Well, again, these these immigrants from Europe, they were just looking for a better life. So, again, if it's good, if it's good for the goose now, should have been good for the gander back then, right? You and know, and, and, and I, it just not you, did you want to wrap up on that? Well, I, I just want to say I do agree that we horrendously <clears throat> mistreated the American Indians, and quite frankly, today I applaud them. They can have. A thousand casinos on an acre of land, for all I care, mm-hmm. and power to them. They they're getting back what you know what we. Yeah, no, they, I mean the Trail of Tears was a reprehensible part, and that yeah. was part of the uh, you know the Civil War, and, and a lot of there was some you know there, it was a it was a complicated world back then. In fact, yeah. a lot of the Native American tribes or the or Indians, since I'm old, uh, they had alliances with the French or the British. I mean, they all kind of looked out for their own good as well and you know of course the united states came and and with the 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 monroe doctrine and uh, manifest destiny they went west uh you know almost decimated the buffalo tribe um or the, the 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 you know the the food buffalo as we liked to call it and ted's montana grill almost did never exist because of this but they i did want to switch topics a little bit horrible news this morning Maybe you read it. Playboy will no yeah, longer no post longer. nude women. You they're, know, they're, I'll be the first to admit. I looked at the pictures to hell with the other <laughs> I, was, I, was about to say, I don't think I ever read the articles. Did they have articles? But uh, now, I, 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 
again, I, I like to read the headlines, but I also read the articles. And apparently, their subscription base has, you know, the people that, that get it for the uh, the magazines, it's uh, or the articles, uh, it's dipped at, up to from about eight eight hundred thousand yeah, from, from a high of six million or something like eight million. Like, million yeah. Eight million. And what they're trying to do to get like is basically be able to get on Facebook and Twitter and eliminate their nude content. And so I think there's already a couple other magazines in that space. Maxim comes to mind, yeah. which Maxim Maxim shows yeah, almost yeah. nude women and terrible writing. So Playboy will be like Maxim, but with much better writing. And Penthouse. And, and Pen- the, yeah, well, well, you know, it's not, I haven't haven't seen what Larry Flint is doing yet. I don't me, know. Uh, I don't me, know what his response is. <laughs> let me ask you. Do you think uh, uh, Trump, Donald Trump is a good negotiator? He seems like, well, he said it. Let me tell you. I'm a good negotiator. Okay. When I was growing up, I was about 12, you know, 12, 13 years old, and on either side of our home, the well, you had a professor at Texas Tech, and then on the other side was just some nice folks. But both of them had garage apartments. Okay. Now, guess who they... And we were only about four blocks from Texas Tech campus, the, the ones that won their football game. Right. Um, <laughs> anyway, we was were there, was, there, few, was there college football this past weekend again? Not the joy. But anyway... Try not to dive um, into that. Anyway, these two, uh, these two uh, apartments always had guys living in them. They were a little rustic. But these guys <laughs> had this strange thing of reading a new publication called Playboy. So being the entrepreneur capitalist that I was, Mm -hmm. I went to him and said, look, when you get through with your old Playboys, I'll buy them from you. For like 10 cents on the dollar, Yeah, or less. (laughs) And they said, no, don't worry about it. We'll just set them out. You can have them. Because they (laughs) thought it was funny a kid my age would care about (laughs) reading the articles. (laughs) So so I I pick them up from them. You know, they, they might be a couple of months Old, but the articles didn't change. They were still, you know, they were still uh, uh, unique and, and had life to them. So I'd pick them up from them, and then I would sell them to my friends <laughs> after oh. after utilizing the uh, checking them out to make sure the yeah. quality was. In. And I bet you did the crossword puzzle. Crossword puzzle. Did yeah, it was in the back. It was in the back by the uh, the classifieds. Somewhere or the other, I got stuck right in the middle of the magazine. It was, I don't you, know what happened. I think they're still going to do the centerfold. I think what they should do is do pictures of like the the best stakes in the country. But since, you know since what? Nude women then, are apparent. Since nude women are apparently offensive now, but they, uh, uh, they, they, they have an interesting thing though. Their their online or their website circulation, or if that's the right word, or traffic is up uh, fourfold and. Uh, it's an interesting business model. Their excuse was nudity is now passe because you can get any naked women you want free on the Internet. So I think it's an interesting challenge. We've got to take our break. We've got David Johnson coming up. We'll be previewing the Democrat debate or who hates America more, as I like to call it. We'll be back in a couple minutes on Greg's List. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. 
Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. You're listening to America's Webradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of ser- serious journalism only on America's Webradio.com. I am hashtag fired up to be live tweeting the uh, Democrat debate. I've had so much fun doing it for the first two that I figured why not do it for the real carnival show. That is the uh, Socialism Hour, or some people call it the Democrat debate. And I uh, wanted to get a preview of it because basically people have heard of two of the, uh, the folks that will be appearing tonight. And the other one, not too much, but maybe... Maybe one of the uh, the severe underdogs will get a little bit of a boost tonight. Join us now is David Johnson from Strategic Vision, also uh, analyst for CNN and many other uh, uh, political realms. David, welcome back to Greg's List. How are you today? I'm doing great. It's great to be on. Well, good. I uh, We've always talked about uh, this moment when the Democrat field would finally shape up and whether or not they would be competition. And right now, I'm going to have to say, yeah, there there is competition on the Democrat side. Game on. What is your analysis of it? And let's talk about some of the, uh, obviously, we have Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, and then three others that will be here tonight. It does not look like Joe Biden will be there, but uh, talk about uh, what, what's your forecast for. Uh, tonight is and your initial outlook well the initial outlook right now is we have hillary clinton she's a flawed front runner bernie sanders is coming on strong he's pushing clinton further and further to the left we're seeing this and i expect to see some of this happen tonight in the debate as well also martin o'malley uh the former governor of maryland who everyone thought would be hillary's old a main challenger is going to go has to go on the attack he's got to do something to try to get some traction the other two, Webb and Chaffee, I think what we'll see between the two of them is each of them going at each other because they personally detest each other. <laughs> so that's what we're looking at right now. Joe Biden won't be on the stage. No one knows what's going on with Joe Biden. But what we do know is in addition to Joe Biden, you have Elizabeth Warren and Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York City, looking to see what happens with this debate. Does Hillary stumble? At some point, does the party feel that she's too flawed, that they have to turn to someone else, and that someone else is not Bernie Sanders? So, so who has the most to uh, gain tonight? I, I think, I think we, me and you would agree, Hillary Clinton can't really 
gain much. She is um, leading in the national polls by a pretty substantial margin and has been lining up some of the major players on their side. So for her, I think her, her upward mobility is limited, but to me, she has a lot to lose. Uh, and uh, comment on that. And also, who has the most to gain uh, potentially? Sure. I mean, Hillary, if she just holds her own, that's what she's expected to do. If she stumbles, if one of the candidates really draws blood, then the big story is Hillary's in trouble. I think the person who has the most to gain right now and has to do something is Martin O'Malley. And the reason I say that is he opposes Hillary on quite a few issues. He's not gotten any coverage, any traction, because of the Bernie Sanders uh, juggernaut. What O'Malley has to do now is really pose himself as a serious alternative to Hillary, someone that could be a plan B if Joe Biden doesn't get into the race, because Bernie Sanders is not going to be the nominee. He may wound Hillary Clinton, but he's not going to be the nominee. So Martin O'Malley tonight, what he's got to do is show that he's this telegenic uh, Democrat who can carry the liberal banner but do what Hillary and Bernie Sanders can't do, and that's win the general election in November. So, there, so Hillary, you think both Hillary and Bernie are very flawed candidates, and Martin O'Malley would have a chance if he comes on strong tonight and is able to show a, a viable difference than Hillary Clinton without the whole, uh, you know, you're about to be arrested Hillary's for totally conspiracy. Hillary's flawed. I mean, look, <laughs> forget the fact that she could possibly be indicted Despite the fact that Americans don't trust her, they don't want to return to the Clinton drama, she's a flawed campaigner. She makes Richard Nixon look like a natural on the campaign trail. (laughs) Bernie Sanders is not going to be the nominee. There is no way the Democratic Party is going to go with someone who's that far left, who doesn't even claim to be a Democrat, claims to be a socialist. What Bernie Sanders can do is wound Hillary fatally, draw her further to the left that she's totally unelectable. Of the candidates running right now, Martin O'Malley seems to be the most viable alternative to get the nomination. Now tell, tell us a little bit about Martin O'Malley, uh, former governor of Maryland. Um, yeah, I've heard not as bad things about him. I guess that can be my nice way of, my, you, you know, don't say, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. I've heard some not so horrible things about him. But to introduce him to us, because a lot of, literally the three people, I actually probably know more about Jim Webb uh, than Martin O'Malley and Chaffee or Chaffee. I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. So uh, introduce us to Martin O'Malley. Sure. Martin O'Malley was the former governor of Maryland, extremely, extremely liberal. He's a big tax increaser. That was one of the reasons why his lieutenant governor could not get elected back in 2014 in Maryland, one of the bluest states in the nation. However, he's a great communicator. He can raise money. He comes across on television as one of these Democrats who's really not frightening, who really isn't that liberal, even though he is. He comes across almost like the guy next door that you want as your neighbor. So that all is a benefit to him for the Democratic primary. The problem is, as I said, he's a big tax increaser. He makes Barack Obama look slightly moderate with some of his positions. So, and that's his his uh, history in in Maryland, who actually elected a Republican governor. I guess they were so infuriated with his uh, his uh, I guess tax codes that the lieutenant governor kind of owned it. Is that is that kind of what happened in Maryland? Oh, that's what happened. I mean, 
realistically, the lieutenant governor had Martin O'Malley wrapped around him, and O'Malley could not get him across the finish line. Maryland has only uh, elected uh, three Republicans in the past 50 to 75 years, Spiro Agnew, Robert Ehrlich, and Larry Hogan. And Larry Hogan had no political background, no one considered him a factor, and he won because of the O'Malley tax increase. Now, uh, Chafee, who who is who is that guy? You... He's a turncoat. He's a f- uh, former Republican who became independent, uh, was elected governor of Rhode Island, and then he became a Democrat, and he's running. Uh, he wants to draw blood with Hillary over fo- foreign policy. He disagrees with her totally. He makes Barack Obama look like a warmonger with some of his <laughs> positions on foreign policy. Okay, and he... Um, now, if I remember, though, the governor of Rhode Island... Didn't he want to try to limit some of the public public sector unions? Is this the same guy that was in favor of doing a little bit of a, a maybe a left wing Scott Walker, if you will? Or am I am no? I, okay. That's someone else. Okay, Chafee was a hard left. It's almost like he left the Republican Party. He was a U.S. senator. He succeeded his father. Was elected to one term. The Republicans went all out for him in 2006. He lost, and it later came out had he been reelected. He would not have supported the Republican uh, Republicans in Senate, but would have switched parties. Hmm. Then he did switch parties, became an independent, and then later became a Democrat. Uh, he was the governor when they had those horrific fires at some of those nightclubs up in Rhode Island. Oh, uh, yeah, the uh, great, the great white concert. Now that he basically went into a panic mode and did not know how to handle the crisis whatsoever. Okay, so he's got uh, a, a very interesting history and truly is an also-ran candidate because the Democrats won't trust him, and that doesn't sound like he's got a whole lot of uh, backing. He's the Rhode Island version of Charlie Crist. <laughs> and we know Charlie Crist is one of your all-time favorites, David. I mean, you, got you, you never write anything about Charlie Crist. On, well, I mean, uh, the man has said that he can run until he's 85, 88 years old, and, I mean, he's been a Republican Independent, Democrat, and who knows what party this uh, coming cycle. Now, you said uh, he is a foil against uh, Jim Webb, who is actually a pretty decent candidate. And that he's probably my, if I had to pick somebody out of, in fact, I probably like him better than a couple of the Republicans. I hate to admit that. but uh, Jim Webb's the adult in this. I mean, he's more of your old-time moderate uh, Democrat. He and Chafee hate each other personally, and the two Excellent. of them are expected to go at it tonight. That should be fun. Quite a bit. Jim Webb's got the military background, ex-military uh, officer. Uh, he served in the Reagan administration, U.S. senator, uh, liberal on some social policies, but overall he's more of a moderate. And I really believe he's too moderate. Back in the 1970s, uh, he would have been an ideal uh, presidential candidate. During the Bill Clinton era, he would have been an ideal candidate. But now under Barack Obama, the party's really left him. Yeah, so he's one that's kind of stuck in the wind a little bit, and uh, the, the Republicans may accept a um, somebody to switch parties, but, you know, again, and, and actually with the Donald Trump, uh, with his past and how much uh, support he has now, you can say Republicans aren't exactly the purists that uh, some of them claim to be. So I, well, And let's not forget, Ronald Reagan switched parties as well. Right. That's true. So tonight you're expecting Bernie to take on Clinton. Do you, what do you expect from CNN? Do you expect them to uh, try to give cover for any of them? Or are they saying, hey, we actually need to probably boost a couple of these other ones because Hillary is so flawed? 
they'll try to boost some of these other ones. And the other thing is, too, they'll try to do anything to draw attention to this debate, throw out maybe some outlandish questions because they want ratings. They've already said they're worried people are not going to be tuning in. Look, a lot of people don't even know a debate's happening tonight. Is it possible that more Republicans will be tuning in than Democrats? I would not be shocked. And don't forget, (laughs) Donald Trump, you mentioned him earlier, he's going to be live-tweeting this debate. Yes, and so will Greg Williams. So it'll be a little bit of a mono. The two of you are going to be fighting it up yeah. for control of Twitter. I think so. I I, I don't quite have the uh, the number of followers so far, but uh, you know I'm, I will certainly be doing my best to go toe to toe. David, uh, let's take our break here, and when we get back, wanted to talk a little bit about the Republican side of things, and also what your opinion of uh, about the Speaker of the House uh, drama that's going on, and how damaging or if it's not a big deal to the Republican Party. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel. Every day, the Israeli Defense Force finds itself on the front line of the war with the militant arm of Islam. Surrounded by enemies from within and without, they fight for the only Jewish state. Military service is mandatory, ladies serving two years and men serving three right out of high school. While young people in other democracies are busy traveling or attending university, Israeli men and women gear up for basic training. In a world of heads of state, politicians, ambassadors, diplomats, and a leftist media, many times our voice at the grassroots level is drowned out. So we started an ongoing project called Hershey's for Heroes. Patriot conservatives from all over the U.S. are sending Hershey's chocolate bars with a note of thanks for defending Israel. Won't you join us by sending a sweet message to the IDF? For information, please see my Facebook page at Michael Gano. Thank you, God bless Patriot Conservatives, and God bless Israel in her struggle for sovereignty and security. Hello, I'm Ray Bowman, and I'm really looking forward to our new show, Food and Farm, brought to you every Friday at noon on America's Web Radio by FeedStuffsFoodLink.com. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism only on AmericasWebRadio.com. David, I did think it would be really great tonight, though, if every time Hillary Clinton spoke, they did the little law and order gavel sound. That would be, <laughs> I, wouldn't, wouldn't that be hilarious if they did that? But uh, That wouldn't probably hit people tune in just to hear that. <laughs> in fact, I, I, I'm imagining I can sync something like that up. So that And that's just some of the magic you can look forward to. During Greg's live tweet tonight, we'll be using hashtag GOPOL as well as whatever CNN uh, decides for theirs. I'm sure it's already figured out a little bit, but also we'll let Twitter figure out what their hashtag campaign is going to be. My big question tonight that will be answered is what color pantsuit will Hillary be wearing? I mean, that is the biggest mystery of them all. But uh, David had a little bit of um, Republican turmoil. We've got the... uh, Speaker of the House who has retired or resigned, and I guess Boehner's saying, wow, I can't even find a replacement for Speaker of the House, but what's going on in the Republican Party? Is it as cataclysmic as the left is hoping for? Or what? Uh, give me your uh, interpretation or analysis of what, what's going on with that. Not at all. I mean, we've <clears throat> had these things happen within the Republican Party 
time and time again, the Republican Party is always going to be doomed, and guess what? It always uh, survives and flourishes. Right now, what we're seeing is a party really for identity, an identity search in the House. Uh, the representatives know voters are not happy. They gave a Republican majority, and yet the Republicans haven't enacted anything that they promised. Not that voters expect that a lot of stuff will get passed, because they know Barack Obama has a veto pen, and there's no way to override that veto, but they don't see Republicans going to bat to fight for what they campaigned for. And right now they're looking for someone who can appeal to all the factions of the party. And the two names that we hear over and over again are Paul Ryan and Trey Gowdy. And it seems that neither one of them wants it. <laughs> well, yeah, Paul Ryan, who is just a few years removed from uh, being the, the vice presidential nominee and a fairly popular Republican, I I do see a little bit of um, where I guess our moderate Republicans are coming from, where conservatives or the hyper conservatives have developed an eat your own attitude and just really aren't happy with anything. And ever, I mean, even Trey Gowdy, I've seen some negative things about him being posted once his name is actually mentioned seriously for this speaker position. So are we are we in a little bit of a crisis with uh, a certain amount of the Republican Party not wanting to eat their peas? We are, I mean, but we see this happen over and over again. The party always unites at the end of the day. What we're seeing right now is some of these people who want to go all out and they believe that the word compromise is a dirty word, mm -hmm. that you can't compromise. Uh, they're very antagonistic. They're very angry about things as well. And a lot of them, too, are doing it to position themselves for future races. I mean, the candidates who, one of the candidates who's come forward to challenge and who has the backing of the Freedom Caucus right now, Daniel Webster, it looks like his district is going to be gerrymandered with some of the new uh, things coming out in Florida with their redistricting, so he'd be a lame duck speaker. <laughs> well, and so they're going to do kind of do an Allen West uh, to him, and that, but that's the uh, Republicans doing that to themselves. No, that's the courts down oh, there. That's the court ah. to get away from the Republican <laughs> legislature. Hmm. I expect at the end of the day, Paul Ryan will be the speaker and even though he was the speaker that everybody wants, they'll still be discontent. Yeah, there will going be on. there will be discontent. It was interesting to read all the support for John Boehner after the fact. I personally, I don't think he was a very good speaker. Why? Because he strategically lost every argument that we had. It wasn't anything like the late 90s when you had a Newt and a Bob Barr and a Jack Kingston and, wait, John Boehner, when they were actually strategically able, and I get it that Obama is a zealot and, and not a centrist like Clinton, but there were certain um, ways that we were able to communicate what our vision was back in the late 90s that they have just failed to do completely during this past five years, and we have no measurable gains to show. We lost the sequester, which was the only a really strong negotiation stance that we had. We lost that when we shut down the government. So I, uh, I, it, was a, it was five years of blunders, in my opinion. I agree totally. And also, he's not a very good communicator. And that's part of what Republicans have to consider as well. They need someone who can communicate the agenda, the Republican agenda, to the nation. Yeah, we've lost battle and battle over and over again because our communicators have failed to communicate. So that's one of the things, and that's one of the things that appeals to a lot of people with Paul Ryan and also uh, Trey Gowdy. Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at it, I mean, John Boehner became a laughing stock because I, I get it; he's an emotional guy, but you don't have to cry every moment. And uh, 
you know, the, the his pallor was made fun of, his uh, smoking habit. I mean, just it, it, he had really nothing positive going for him. They, they, the Democrats made fun of him for not being able to herd the conservative cats and crying at every time. So, you know, they didn't respect him. And the American people didn't really trust him, and Republicans certainly didn't, because he, you know, led five years of failure. And whether or not it was it's fair to blame it completely on him, he is the, the quarterback of the team in, in the House of Representatives. He didn't reach out and try to explain what was happening to a lot of conservatives either. And I think a lot of them got mad because he seemed kind of vindictive, didn't he? If, if you didn't toe the line. Uh, oh, he did. So, what were a couple of the things that he did? I know he took away chairmanships and removed people from committees. I mean, that's that's that, not... Uh, he also uh, killed uh, key votes uh, that members had coming up. He had taken off the docket. Things like that. Uh, it really antagonized and angered the caucus. Yeah, and and how much damage does the Republican brand have, or is this something that the presidential race is going to kind of kind of cure? The presidential race will overshadow it. Whoever is the nominee becomes the face of the Republican Party, the voice of the Republican Party, and that's what people will listen to. And this stuff will be forgotten over time. And so, right now, we have the front runners at Trump. Carson Fiorina has kind of dropped back a little bit. Jeb and Rubio are battling for third and fourth. Do you agree with some of the assessments that uh, Rubio is is our most electable one and that he'll be the eventual nominee? I think there's a possibility. I don't discount John Kasich. I think he's a sleeper candidate right now, and he's concentrating on New Hampshire. He's got to do good in New Hampshire, and I think he could be the sleeper candidate. And if he really emerges well in New Hampshire... I think uh, Marco Rubio is done. Yeah, well, and that, I guess, Rubio and Jeb, whoever gains traction in Florida, which, I mean, what do you think about uh, uh, Jeb? Is he, I've actually had the chance to meet some of his staff. He, I, I have to give him credit. He's got a, a, a pretty well-run operation. It's just he's been so boring and uh, just really a, a non-factor so far to date. He, he doesn't even seem like he's excited to be uh, in the race. He's a, I know he's a bland personality, and unfortunately Scott Walker uh, had the same issue, but um, it's just it's amazing how uncompelling his campaign has been so far. He really is, but I don't discount Chip Bush. I don't discount the name. I don't discount the organization, which you mentioned. He's got one of the best organizations in all of these states. Oh, yes. And I don't discount his money. Yeah, and he is able to fundraise a little bit. Um, you know, Scott Walker obviously set up his campaign very top-heavy. I had no idea he had 90 staff members. And uh, it just shows you what the debate performances can and can't do. And for Scott Walker, his uh, his campaign, it, it, it struggled. And these debate performances, I thought he did okay in them, but his, his support literally got down to like below 0.5% in major polls. It was. I think he really peaked too early. And I think, too, uh, his campaign set expectations too high. When you're new to the national stage, you're being introduced, which he really was, you want to downplay expectations, and his staff didn't do it. And I blame a lot of that on his campaign manager, Rick Wiley. 
Yeah, well, we've saw the uh, some of the postmortems come in. I certainly was a, a longtime supporter and was very disappointed that he ran out of gas so quickly, especially since he did have some super PACs that had uh, what looked like some financial resources. I read that they were uh, were had a seven million dollar ad buy in Iowa, and uh, I guess I'm just surprised he didn't try to stick it out and just really go to uh, a, a very lean uh, organization and kind of wait to see when Trump and Carson fizzle out, which I think I think both of them will, uh, but certainly one of them will, and their support has to go somewhere. So why, why don't you think... Oh, I Wa- definitely think so. Why do you think Walker... I think, oh, I'm sorry. I think Walker did not see a financial way that he could keep the campaign running, that he could keep <clears throat> the lights on, and I think that's what led to it more than anything. All right. Well, Trump or Carson, which one folds or fades first? I think Trump. Trump fades first. So Carson is going to be around for a while. I've already seen some Democratic knives out with some memes or memes against him. And, uh, you know, they they really do. The Democrat Party hates black conservatives. We can I I think that's a fact. They do. And I'll say this for Ben Carson, too. He fits more the mode, though, of what as a candidate. I'm not saying as a african-american candidate or a white candidate but as a candidate that voters are looking for he's calm he's reassuring he seems like a return to normalcy donald trump he's fun to listen to he's very dramatic but the country's tired of drama and they're tired of maybe self-promotion when we've had it for uh, six and a half plus years. And we're looking at even more from the Clinton side of things where I, I think, you know, when you look at what Clinton's charged with, and it's more than 400 emails that have been deemed classified and the cover up, there's two issues with Hillary Clinton. And no matter what Kevin McCarthy's misstep was, which, again, I don't I, I, I saw that when he said the uh, the comment about, hey, look at her poll numbers. Now, I saw him say that live and I, I guess I don't understand why. Why that was such a, a, a damning comment for him because he didn't say yes the only reason we did this was to hurt her poll numbers but he said hey look at her poll numbers now he was trying to claim a little bit of a strategic win and I, I don't I didn't think it was that bad but you're a PR guy so how, how detrimental was I that? didn't either but it was something that the Democrats <laughs> uh, were bound and determined that they could use and it would give Hillary an out to say all these things were just political and look here's the Speaker of the House saying it. <laughs> So it's basically a self-fulfilling prophecy on that end. Well, David Johnson, look forward to uh, seeing you out and about soon, and I'm sure you'll be watching the debate tonight with as much uh, keen eyes and uh, and analysis as, uh, as I am, and hopefully we'll get some really good one-liners from Donald Trump. I think we will. All right, we appreciate it. David Johnson, Strategic Vision, thanks for calling in. We'll talk soon, okay? Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So... 8.30 tonight on CNN. It's the debate. The no pantsuit left behind debate. I'm just kidding. I think pantsuits look great, just not on Hillary Clinton. Um, I, I don't know. Do you, do you expect her to come out in this massive orange ensemble? Or to have like uh, any kind of uh, references to, to how great her Secretary of State leadership was? Kind of like a NASCAR running around out there with Benghazi and Libya and all the other foreign policy failures. You know, as I asked David, it's going to be interesting to see if CNN does have kind of an open season on Hillary Clinton tonight. If If they say, you know what, we don't like her. We don't think she can win. We need one of these other candidates, and uh, David from Strategic Vision, David Johnson, indicated that, in his opinion, 
uh, Martin O'Malley had the best opportunity to to rise to the occasion tonight. And, uh, you know, we'll see. I think that's an interesting prediction. Again, I don't know a whole lot about the other three Democrat candidates. I do know Bernie Sanders has an idea for a 90% tax plan. You remember Herman Cain had 999, David? So Bernie Sanders at 90%, what does he call it? Mine, mine, mine? Is that, is that the uh, colloquial phrase for, for, for Bernie's tax plan? Feel the burn? But uh, anyway, I guess we'll uh, take our final break up here in about a, a minute. Got some other great topics to discuss here on Greg's List. We'll see you in a minute. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Does tired work? I was uh, telling uh, uh, our producer here, David, that I was a little under the weather, and he said no, it's because I uh, was celebrating George's loss a little too heavily on uh, Saturday down in Destin, Florida. Was your I get, wife with you? She was with me. And she let you get away with it. She, her. well, you know, when Georgia loses, she kind of runs and hides. I notice you do have some. Uh, you do have some luggage under your eyes. Are there. you calling me a redskin? Because that's offensive. Or that's do I okay. do I have some baggage? Yeah, you have some baggage there. Yeah, I know. You're getting old. You, you know, you, you... Well, you know, apparently the makeup artist around here got fired because I, I didn't have a chance to, to douse myself with, uh, you know, some Caitlyn Jenner makeup. Yeah, well, we can take you off the air. 
No, of course, I want to stay on the air. I wanted to talk about Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders because it, it, if he's able to get her on the defensive and pull her to the left, Hillary Clinton has staked, staked out a lot of policy positions, and a lot of them revolve around raising taxes on the rich, investing more money in education, which shouldn't we start investing in demanding results in education rather than jumping money? In fact, Georgia, as a state, we spend a lot more per people than our surrounding states, and the Democrats here just want to dump more money into it without demanding any kind of improvement. So, you know, is this more of the same from Hillary Clinton? A lot of, a lot of folks say that her policies are very similar as a center-left to Barack Obama's and Bernie Sanders, a self-described Democrat socialist, is even further to the left, calling on for all these new spending programs and big tax increases on the wealthy. I, you know, I'd like to get back and analyze, or have you analyze for me, because I, again, I, I'm, I can't uh, put it together. You know, if it was one minor thing, one Monica, you might say, <laughs> then you could sort of fluff it under the carpet. You could sweep it under the rug or yeah. whatever, you know. But there are so many things. What difference does it make? <laughs> uh, there are so many things, uh, emails, uh, on and on and on and flip-flopping, you know, against TPP and then for it and for it and against it. And, and yeah, against and her, and and her husband signed total. NAFTA. Yeah, uh, uh, so... If it was one thing, I could sort of see it not meaning anything mm-hmm. or people just fluffing it off. But explain to me, with all of the cards against her, how can anyone still support a lying bitch like Hillary? You know, it's hard to see how many people can be really excited about her candidacy. I mean, yes, I guess it, it, in some circles, it, the historic effect of it, her being the first female president, that can still excite some people. But I think we have far better qualified females. And actually on the left, uh, Elizabeth Warren is far more compelling uh, as, a, as a candidate because, um, you know, the, the, the left, the liberals love her. Right, because she's she's cracked down on as wealthy as she personally is. She's really cracked down on those bad people. They support this, you know, fight, fight for fifteen, which you know your fast food workers want fifteen dollars without any kind of increase in productivity or reliability or quality. They just think they arbitrarily fifteen dollars an hour is a living wage. It and would be here. It, it if, would, somebody, it, it, if I it, got fifteen bucks an hour, it'd be a living wage. <laughs> Well, if you got put it this way, if we paid people with minimum skills and minimum education fifteen an hour arbitrarily, what's that going to do to the other wages? That's going to make them go up, or it's going to have really qualified people fighting for those fifteen dollar jobs, and the unqualified, uneducated folks won't have a job. So I um, I can understand a certain argument where hey, you know, when when these companies are paying low wages. They're encouraging the employees to also get on government assistance, so they're costing us one way or the other. But it just shows a fundamental lack of understanding about the job market. These, uh, the minimum wage jobs, they weren't meant to be career opportunities. And it seems that those with minimum skills and minimum education are the ones that get these minimum wage jobs. I mean, I got minimum wage jobs when I was 15 and 16 years old. That taught me what's called a work ethic. Let me throw something out on it. And I agree with exactly 100% what you're saying. They're not meant to be career. However, there are a number of examples where a kid has started out in a 
Chick-fil-A and gone on uh, become a, a, gra- a college graduate and yep. stayed with Chick-fil-A and has become a manager or become this <clears throat> or that. There are plenty of it's all in the individual, the DNA of the individual that wants to accomplish something. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to accomplish anything, you ain't going to make it no matter what you right. do. Right, and, but, and that's the, the work ethic point of it. If you're not going to be a productive employee, now with the, you know, the Obamacare employer mandates coming in for companies with more than 50 employees, their expenses are already skyrocketing, or they're just going to you know, dump the, um, the employees if they can to the exchanges or cut their hours. So you're really seeing a huge impact with these health care mandates coming in and the fact that uh, nobody's costs actually went down, health care costs continue to rise. Now, is there a segment of the population whose monthly premiums did drop? Of course, but who's paying for that? The middle class is. It's the largest middle class tax increase in history. It's literally a transfer from middle class to poor people. And it's actually incentivizing a lot of lower middle class people to go ahead and, 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 you know, turn left and go poor because they get more government subsidies. These are the perverse economic impacts and influence, influences from the left. Amen, brother. So where do I sign up? Again, well, you can. We, we, I can't. I'm excited about tuning in tonight again. But Clinton basically, she wants a Hillary wants to raise the minimum wage just to twelve dollars, and Obama has called for it to be ten dollars and ten cents. So all three of them want to arbitrarily raise the minimum wage. It just depends on how much they want to go. So it's almost like who can give away the most. It's, like yet, it's, it's a competition, right? And yet Obama, under his administration, there is no cost of living increase for Social Security recipients right. this year. Well, and, and, and they always complain about income inequality is one of their big things. And, and actually, income inequality isn't necessarily a bad thing. What's, what's bad is when you create incentives to keep people poor so they can stay on government assistance. That's what creates real income inequality. And when you create and when your your jobs program is uh, basically a glorified ditch digging program, right? Where you say, "Oh, we're going to, you know, do some infrastructure, some fun stuff there." Well, all you're doing in a lot of those cases is not creating anything sustainable. You're creating temporary infrastructure projects. And, again, these are these jobs that are low-paying. They're not, they're not high-paying jobs, a lot of the construction jobs anyway. You know, they're, they're, I would guess a lot of them are below 15 an hour. So what happens then? What happens when the fast food worker is making 15? Somebody actually risking his life on a crane, they're going to want more than 15, are they? Those crane guys, they they get way past minimum wage. You think that may cause a little bit of uh, inflation? <laughs> that, that may erode the value of the dollar even more? Um, you know, I will say Bernie Sanders does oppose the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which I, I have to say I agree with him on that. The reason why is because that basically allows a lot of the big manufacturers in the United States to move their plants to some of these second and third world countries and not have to pay any price to do so, which makes us lose high-paying jobs. The auto manufacturing industry, even the the plants in the South, they pay a lot of money. In fact, I drove by the uh, the big Kia one, uh, which is on the border of Alabama and Georgia, uh, on my way to to Florida this past week, and 
you know, they've got thousands and thousands of employees there, and they're all making very good wages, and it's really keeping the manufacturing segment alive there. And Kia is a, a Korean uh, manufacturer, but to me, if, if the car's built in the U.S., I can make the argument that it's a U.S.-made car. What do you think about that? Does that, that logic work? That logic works for me. Um. So now we've got college costs, and Bernie Sanders... In addition, and very similar to Barack Obama, who wants free community college for everybody, no plan on how to pay for it. He, Bernie Sanders wants free tuition at public universities and sharp cuts in interest rates on student loans. So now everybody gets a free education, which I think that that's going to just encourage more of these ancient Sumerian poetry degrees, mm-hmm. which really aren't that useful in this world now, right? We need engineers. We need computer scientists. We need people with business acumen. We need, um, you know, manufacturing engineers, agriculture folks. I mean, we scientists. Not more liberal art degrees, and certainly not more lawyers. I, I, I got to ask you. I don't think we covered this earlier, but uh, what, what did you think of your president's uh, interview on sixty Minutes? Um, you know, uh, I, I heard he got mad. I didn't watch it. I. This, this was the past Sunday night? Yeah. yeah. I saw the segments out of it. I heard he got mad at a couple of the questions. Steve, I heard Steve Croft gave him Mail a pretty, him. Good, uh, yeah. pretty good interview. Yeah. Uh, I did not uh, get a chance to watch all of it. I try to keep my exposure to him to a minimum. But uh, t- tell me about it. Did you, you watched it? Well, no. As a matter of fact, all I've seen is the clips. I, I don't generally watch uh, CBS, but... Uh it was uh, the clips that I've seen. Steve Cross did a heck of a job, and Obama did his normal terrible job and tried to change. You know, when he, he was put up, uh, Croft asked him, he said, you know, you're being criticized for not being the leader while Putin is being the leader. Oh, well, if you think being a leader is, you know, uh, increasing the military and, and trying to get out of a bad economy, well, then you and I have different different." Um, ideas of what a leader is and you know and, and and I think a real leader is the one that tries to unite the world against climate change. Oh yeah, well of course we've seen that. Where um yeah, let's not worry about Putin and the uh the rising imperialism, but Obama hates imperialism so much. Maybe they should uh get mad at this uh this this nouveau Soviet imperialism and say, you know what, we're not uh just gonna sit here and complain about climate change while Putin rebuilds the Soviet Empire, maybe, maybe a little bit of a uh, more uh, no mo- no more carrots anymore. Time for the sticks. Yep, yep. And uh, you know, I, Obama's not a leader. Tell you what, Mister Williams, it's about time to put the proverbial plug in the jug. I hate to use terms that might r- remind you of this weekend when you should have put the plug in the jug a little mm. earlier. Well, I certainly uh, should have Georgia. Certainly shouldn't have given up a 21-point lead. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Tune in tonight. Debate. You can find me at Greg's List Live on Twitter. It's going to be a lot of fun. And this other Trump guy. <laughs> you tune in for him. Should be a lot of fun. We'll see you next week with a, with a recap, I'm sure. Welcome, And we'll, we'll see you back on Greg's List. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.